sack it in a your backpack. The smell of your girlfriend contact. Some boy not know this. I'm only come around like tourists on the beach with a few club sodas. Bedtime stories. And pose like them named Chuck Norris. I don't know the real hard work of sandals and no buckle. All right, so we're here with Bonsai Caruso. The, uh, the sixth moksha or something. Yeah. Or he's that important to what we do, especially when it comes to the recording process. That and, other uh, member. <laughs> and uh, we wanted to give you guys a chance to hear what he's all about, because he's a very magical person. We all feel very privileged to, to even know Bonsai at all. Amen. Let alone be able to spend hours recording our music with him. But yeah, he's like a silent partner. A silent partner, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a silent partner scenes. that controls the sound. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the man behind the curtain. Yes. <laughs> what are you guys doing with some new stuff? When are we getting back in there? Well, that's uh, that's all in the process right now. I think we got a what six songs on the table working on. Yeah, more than that. We got so much material. We just haven't been able to get it all, like you know, squared away. I can't wait to hear it. To where I think it's, we to where it's ready to to record yet. We still got road test it. I heard a couple of you did at the last show here in Vegas. Yeah, yeah, there's there's like there's like four or five that are road tested. You're yeah. probably right, but I think there's I think there's probably, probably like, three that are ready for the album. I think uh, um, obtuse. Yeah, Treat, Mr. Bag, uh, Mr. Bag, and um, what was the other? For real or for real's getting pretty close too. Yeah. That's our number one goal, though, right now, is to be able to finish the... We have some real larval ideas right now that are ready to be dealt with, so... But we, I think we might want to go in the studio, maybe, like... We're, we're kind of unsure. We might want to do it like we did last time, where, you know, we go in and we know exactly what we're doing. It's just like, okay, two days or three days of recording, bam, you knock know, record, knock it all out, so... But, yeah. but we've also thought about maybe... Like getting a house and doing it, that would you know, be awesome. where we can like actually yeah. workshop some of the songs that would and be really re- cool. reimagine them in the process, and you know, break everything down, and that would be kind of fun yeah, to, to have be, that option. I just recently watched the uh, Elton John Yellow Brick Road oh, yeah. classic album. So good, and that just made me think, man, getting a house, you know, having a kitchen and just yeah. relaxing, yeah. not having to leave or worry about anything, and we could write all day, play, and record yeah, you at eat, night. Sleep breathe the music that, mm-hmm. all day long you know they're right they're right they're writing the tunes at breakfast yeah. no they're writing it before breakfast and then teaching yeah. the band it during breakfast so the band's eating bacon and eggs they're like okay here's the form blah 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 like scribbling <laughs> yeah, it out great. and then they go and record it like right after breakfast cool. it's like a family affair yeah. and yeah. some of those are the keeper tracks the legendary ones you hear yeah. oh a lot of them are yeah can blind melon do that with their album did they, they rented a log cabin in oh, the middle yeah. of like the in like north carolina or south carolina and uh, <laughs> you know, stayed in there for a month and just did the whole record. That was a great band that was short lived. Yeah, man, that was that was real... tragic. Was sad. Shannon Hoon. Shannon Hoon. My brother's a big shout out to my brother. He's a major Blind Melon fan. Yeah. So instead day. of spending tons of money on studio time, they spend it on inspiration. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> inspiration. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of records that have been recorded like that. You're saying Yellow Brick Road and uh, the oh, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Blood Sugar Sex Magic, and Lamb Lies Down on Broadway, yeah. and uh, the new all the Radiohead records. Too, uh, yeah, the Radiohead oh, yeah, all the new Radiohead records, too. It yeah. was recorded that way. Wasn't Drew Barrymore's house for the last Radiohead record or something like that? Uh, yeah, I think that's yeah. a, something ridiculous. A rumor or something, yeah, but I think it's probably true. Yeah, They thanked Drew Barrymore, I think. Yeah. 
What about that uh, my morning jacket that that we just? Oh, they got. did that in a church. Uh, they yeah. ran it out of church mm-hmm. for like a long time and just set it up. They had this big room from they like they they have pictures of it in the liner notes. The ambiance on that album oh, is incredible. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. They said, it. it says recorded in heaven. Oh, nice. It was like basically like an ode to the church, but I don't cool. think they wanted to say what church it was. Mm-hmm. Actually, when we were working on the last record, I, you know, I'm always a Brio, and I know the manager there, yeah. Brio, and I told her, I said, man, I'd love to record drums in this space, you know, because you know that oh, room it's is huge. huge. Yeah. Yeah. And she said, no problem, we'll give you the place for the evening. Oh, Whoa. wow. <laughs> oh, right. We were just that. about done tracking, so I was like, uh, next record, next consideration record. here. Yeah. Because yeah. what a room that is. Yeah. Except it would be a pain in the butt to move the tables and get all the equipment in oh, yeah. but that's, yeah. it's that's doable a lot, that's a lot easier than the idea that Pat and I had had for recording drums you know you know where that canyon is up there called uh, Hidden Forest it's like way if you go mm-hmm. off-roading way off into the desert it's probably like almost 40 miles out there Okay. Um, there's this canyon that's like cut where this water from this yucca flat on top busted through and just kind of broke this tiny little canyon and then it opens up in this mouth and it's just, just it's the giant canyon full of yucca giant yucca trees like oh, wow. 10 15 feet tall so um but in that canyon you clap your hands and just like it sounds like oh, amphitheater the greatest rock amphitheater of all nice. time so to take like a field recorder and a drum set yeah. out there it would what about Red Rock? Red Rock's got Red some, Rock's got some little yeah. spots. really great spots out there too man a valley of fire i used to go out with my friend and play acoustic guitar and there was this one canyon where he would stand on the other side and I would stand, you know, opposite side. <clears throat> and we'd play our, you know, duets together. And, and it sounded so intimate, even though we were 60, 70 feet apart, because the canyon acoustics were so perfect. Nice. Could you do it? Could you? I mean, you're familiar with doing impulse responses probably a lot more than we are. Like, is that... Like if you went out there with the field or one of those, what are they called? The measuring things mm-hmm. where you you take the measurements for the the sonic landscape mm-hmm. of the, the yeah. The they'll, they'll, Does that replicate it really well? They'll create well? an algorithm that you know matches it, that emulates that. How well does it do it, in your opinion? Uh, I've never really sat there and compared or anything oh. like that. But um, there's a lot. There's the TL programs, yeah. the plugins that they did that with lots of different churches all throughout Europe. Yeah, and Altiverb did that. Is that and is another one. Yeah, um, and you actually see the the actual photograph of that room, and then you can go to another room in the in each hall and and uh, stand in a different place. Yeah, 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 move it, move the, right. Move so the your position it, exactly, yeah. and it's the visual goes with it as you move the slider. It's like, whoa, I'm in the That's room. Intense, man. But it's all based on those algorithms where they take the ambient measurements of. Because I've thought about doing that, just being really geeky for a week and going out to all these cool places and trying to get impulse responses, but mm-hmm. I don't really know enough of how to do it properly. I don't either. I just know how to use it. <laughs> uh, yes, you do. And I like the way it sounds. <laughs> so where, what's, what's your origins, Bonds? Like you're from New York City, right? Like originally? Yeah, tell yeah us 1982. Your... I was in New York. I was 18 or 19, 18. And um, got a job at Todd Rundgren Studio, a little place called Secret Sound Studios on 24th Street. And, uh, yeah, those days were great. I mean, 24 tracks was it. (laughs) But it was cool. It was Spiral Driver was in there a lot, that jazz band. And uh, who else? That was still 24-track analog tape, not digital tape. Oh, yeah, analog. There was no such thing as digital in 1980. That's so cool. 82, I guess it was. 
But yeah, it was a great spot to cut my teeth and learn because uh, of all the different musicians coming in, different things. You'd be a piano vocal one day and a jazz band the next day, and you know, a, a lot of jingles, a lot of commercials. So those were like chop, 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 chop. You know, yeah. Downbeat at 9 a.m., you know, 9:20 overdubs, 9:45 background vocals, you know, 11 o'clock break for sushi. <laughs> 12 o'clock mix, get it to the ad agency by 3, you know? Wow. It was insane. It was like boom, boom, boom. It was a good way to learn, though, you know, well, chopping how did, up tape. And, how does an 18-year-old go to Rundgren Studios and get that job, man? I mean, uh, sure They paid me $5 a day, and yeah. I, I worked 90 hours a week. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, babe, what, did you, how did you get interested in music? Because you, you said you were a... a Bike, I mean, like a motorbike, motocrosser, motocross uh, racer, right? race, motocrosser, raceway park in Englishtown, New Jersey. And that was when you were like 16, like 16, 15, 16, 17, yeah. Which is the origins of, of the bonsai, bonsai, right? Yeah, I think, I think it was actually Grandmaster Flash gave me the name. He said, That's your name, bonsai. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think it was Flash. Wow, and those guys, but yeah, that's where I came from. But I started playing guitar when I was about 15. Oh, okay, so you and had a love for music, like yeah, just, yeah, yeah. But smashing up my hands with the motocross and my feet and my arms and my legs, oh. it was kind of taking its toll. Yeah. yeah, so my guitar teacher was like, You're an idiot, yeah, go yeah. into music, play your guitar, <laughs> shut up, listen to Frank Zappa, shut up and play your guitar. <laughs> but you know, that, that but then when I got a job at the studio in New York City, and I was I remember one day I plugged in Mike Stern, you know, Mike Stern, yeah, yeah. and I remember I had a little Fender twin, and he's sitting there, and I, and I plug him in, and I set the mic, and I heard this, I just heard this sound and this playing, and I was like, okay, I thought I knew how to play. I was so That's humbled by, you know, right. you're 18 years old, cocky, like, hey, I could play. Uh, like, no, uh, uh shut my mouth. <laughs> so I said, I think I'll study engineering instead. So, Well, so much of what you do, I mean, what blows my mind about what you do and what is, almost seems like magic is the way that you, um, the way that you can focus your ears in on f sound, on frequencies, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And that must have been a learning process. Yeah. But what's interesting about your process is that you just th were thrown right into the working environment, right? Yeah. And had to learn that through doing it yeah there was pretty nerve-wracking situations in my early years because the owner of the studio and the head in those days there weren't really any freelance engineers uh, artists and producers and musicians would book a studio because of the house engineer yeah and that's why they worked there and a lot of times these guys would just get lazy or want to go home or it's like i work too many hours and like you know bonsai here is going to take care of you he's and i'll be like we got like nine musicians out there, horn players and David Sanborn and Hiram Bullock and all these guys. I'm like, what? You're going to leave me here by myself? Yeah. <laughs> like, Bonds, you got it. And I'm like, um, okay, um, um, I got it. I got it. So you had to That's learn. I had to learn quickly. Trial by fire. Yeah. That and can be the absolute best yeah, way to learn. It really was. It was nerve-wracking at the time, but it was the best thing that could happen, really. Yeah. Really. And it hasn't stopped. I'm, you know, oh, it's a learning process to this day, every day, you know, still. Especially with technology, right? I mean, the technology is yeah. shifting so fast yeah. every single day. Right, and being able to utilize and apply these things to not only get the pace going, you know, getting things accomplished not only well, but quickly. So let's move on. We got to do this. We got a lot to do. Right. So, and but and then there's a lot of other artists, especially the Marleys, they're like. Take your time, man. So, you know, you take your time, figure the stuff out, and go, oh, this is how I can speed up this process with this new thing I'm going to download today and right. read about or whatever. 
Yeah. But yeah. And you came up with a, I mean, you were, when you were there in New York, hip hop was almost be, being created Just in a way. Beginning, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you were involved with a lot of yeah, those we, guys. We were one of the first studios to get the, the Lindrum. And what is that? Like a drum machine? First, one of the first drum machines, a little Lindrum. Okay. And we had that, and the other one was a DMX a drum yeah. machine made by Oberheim. Whoa. And uh, yeah, so when we first got it, the engineer put it in the, you know, staff engineers put it in the closet and shut the door. So I was like, <laughs> <laughs> he didn't want nothing to do with it. So after ever the staff would leave, everyone would leave at night, I'd go in there, pull it out, and turn it on and go, wow. <laughs> You know, great little tones, and it had the little tone, so you can hit the snare, and go, yeah. I was like, whoa, I love this like a filter sweep knob. Yeah, while, while you're playing cool. it. So, and uh, but there was no sync in those days, so I couldn't sync it to the tape. You know, and the, and the 808 drum machine was another thing. I was in love with the 808. Yeah, and but you really couldn't sync it to tape. There was this FSK sync, but it was kind of iffy. And if you you know you'd go to sync it and play it back, and I never really would. Right. Those days it was it was hit or miss, you know. You're, everything had to be perfect. But would would you ever record a click or anything like that? To... Um, no, not really. Because <laughs> oh, we would like for some, certain things. Because some of that hip hop does seem really tight for mm -hmm. not having that kind mm -hmm. of. Uh... A lot of times, what they would do is they would like Melly Mel and Flash and these guys, Ice T. They would come up with a beat on the 808. Or whether it was a Lindrum or eight, most of the time it was eight oh eight, and they then they'd get on three different mics in the studio, and I'd have all twenty four tracks in record, or twenty out of the twenty four tracks in record, and you know with you know kicks and air hat everything, and then Melly Mel's mic, Ice T's mic, Grandmaster Flash and Kaz and who are all over, who, Bronx Style Bob was another one, and so they'd all be out there and they'd you know have their written raps ready to go and i'd be there with the drum machine so i'd i'd start the track while hitting play you know on the drum machine after everything was the multi-track was in record and then they would and i'd have to remember when the last line of let's say melly mel's was because i would stop the drum machine <laughs> and then start it back up again for all the drops and yeah, stuff so oh, that was that's live crazy. it wow. was all done by me hitting the stop and start but i had to had to be right on so and it, and it wasn't still playing when you hit stop like like in the background right you had to really start on the the downbeat right. of the then it got measure. then it got to the point where we would just lay down the, the track and then all of us would get behind the board and oh know, and do the drop and hit the mutes but we you know we had we needed more than one I person's see. fingers so right, it'd be right. me and mel and two other guys we'd all do the drop <laughs> and if you missed it just rewind your you know we would print the two track analog so when you missed the beat, somebody missed the hi-hat. So that's okay. We don't have to do the whole thing again. Just rewind it. Just, you know, hit the two-track analog, and I'll cut it with a razor blade. And we'll, you know, Jesus. fix that mistake <laughs> wow. with, with a cut of a razor, razor blade. Oh. That, almost, oh, that God. seems so, like, almost exhilarating or something. Like, like obviously, nowadays, it's so much easier, and you can chop stuff up and yeah. do anything you want, basically. Yeah. But do you kind of miss that a little bit? Like I do. That? I do miss it because it was, you know, it's the challenge and the... The sound of the analogs. Yeah. I miss the analog sound so much, but um, but I mean the conveniences we have now and the options that we have now. I mean that it's wonderful. It's great too. Yeah, but I do miss that. You know, but one thing great for for me during that period of to cut my teeth and learn learn my chops was because if you missed a punch, 
it's gone. It's gone for good. And that artist is going to go, you just wiped my perfect little yeah, thing. Yeah, so wow. I always pride myself as I never, ever wiped anything. Missed I missed a punch ever. <laughs> wow. I think once I, I was challenged in a mix, because a mix situation, I think it was Martha Wash. Everybody dance now. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, I, and we were in a mix, and they just wanted to fix a syllable. And I had to get in and out and bounce something from another track to the master vocal track. Oh, wow. And there was only one. Whoa. And and they were like, come on, Vines, you can do it. You can do it. These guys have been working with Is me this for like years. Is this like one attempt at it, or can you try it again? <laughs> later on, there was this thing called rehearse mode on the Sony digital machine, but that was years later. No, no, this was it. If, it, if wow. I missed, it was gone. So the only one time in my career I've ever did that was, or made a mistake, I should say, with a punch, was I did it, but I got out and I cut... <laughs> A, a breath. Ah, yeah. I didn't lose anything except a half a breath, which you can hear. You yeah. know? So I had to take a breath from somewhere and fly it off of a two-track machine uh, <laughs> and make a composite while I was recording the vocal, fly in a breath. <laughs> but I was able to do it. Okay, now what like, song? So I just ate up like <laughs> two hours thing. of your studio time, man. So you you yeah. got to tell us what song this is now. Oh, jeez, which track was it? Um, <laughs> was it, it C -C -C Music Factory or is it Marshall? No, this Marshall was before Washington. she joined forces with them. Oh, okay. Um, well, and ironically, I did as well. Yeah. Um, I don't remember the name of the track. I think it was a track called Leave a Light On. We're going to go uh, listen for the breath. It's <laughs> 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 the first verse. <laughs> That's crazy. That's... I remember you saying that a lot of the guys when you when you I mean you were still relatively young when you started working with Melly Mel and Grandmaster Flash yeah, and we were all about the same age. So you were like, as far as like the people that you were working with, you were still kind of like in an intern status, or you were less accomplished. Right. But they liked they preferred to have you as the engineer right. over the other guys because a you could work the drum machine. And you weren't scared of it, and B, you had good time, like you were a right. musician, so you could actually stop and start it at the right, right times. Right. And the drops that I was doing, yeah. the muting, even though you know later on they were like, no, let's just lay the beat all the way through, and so, we'll do the mutes later. But in, in, in essence, you were like because you were performing with them, and they like right. you were like you are part really yeah. of the I performance mean, of those pieces. We'd all take breaks together and go get pizza together, and you know it was like. You know, it was, a, it was a great vibe. It was like a great team, you know. It's kind of like we are today, you know. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of the hip-hop sessions today are not so, you know, it's like there's a little bit of a separation with like the engineer guy or not always, not always, but I've, in some, I've some situations, yeah. And and that's cool. I'm used to it. I deal with it all the time. It's no big deal. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was a nice little, you know, I'd get the phone calls like, hey, man, what are you doing tonight? Let's get in there and knock something out. I was like, yeah, man, let's go. <laughs> So, what was the exact process of you going from the Grateful Dead lot to the <laughs> studio? Like, how did how did it go from Grateful Dead lot to hip hop? Very Jeremy question. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it's called technology, man. Was that drum machine? No, and just I don't know. It's just uh, expansion of uh, you know opened up my mind all this all this all, all the things that I was learning at the time. And then this this hip hop sound, these beats, and the whole vibe of it, and new and different, and you know some and the the keyboard aspects of it, all the the Juno 106 and and all that. Yeah, I was just like into the beats and the energy, the vibe. It was cool. I, I assumed that that was an exciting time for technology in the yeah, 80s, like that. It really Even was. Even though there was some stuff that you'd prefer to leave behind, sonically speaking. 
mm-hmm. there was a lot of new stuff and, and mm-hmm. new frontier to experiment with. Yeah. And what these guys were rapping about, what they were, you know, their lyrics, their content was all about their life and what, what, it, what it was like living in the projects and where they were, whether it was the Bronx or Brooklyn or, um, you know, it's just t- they're talking about real life, everyday situations, which I, I thought was really cool. Well, it becomes like a cultural, um, like beacon. So it's mm-hmm. like all these people that are living in the same yeah. life can identify with it and and right. feel like connected to yeah. because you know, and a lot of people are living in that situation, especially in the '80s when you have like crack coming out and yeah. and like massive poverty yeah. and the yeah. ghettos are really starting to get bad. Crack. <laughs> you know, the ghettos are really starting to get bad. It's like it, it, that that art form kind of arises out of that as like a way for for these people to escape or identify with the people who are actually getting out and succeeding and yeah, transforming. Yeah. Like really getting their message out. Like you said, with the drugs that were going on, Africa Islam, yeah. who produced Africa Bombado, which I was working on, and he did a track called Bass Pipe. He goes, Bass Pipe, it's not your friend. Bass Pipe, it'll drag you to the end. <laughs> and the song is Bass Pipe, Bass Pipe, Bass Pipe, Bass Pipe, Bass Pipe. Bass pipe. Wow. <laughs> it's a great track. What is that it's the song that that reminds me of? That uh, white lines yeah. run through my mind. Oh, yeah. The more I see, the more I do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's 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 a it, that it, re- it sounds like it's glorifying it, but their lyrics are actually. Yeah. The, well, they were watching their f- yeah. friends and family just like lose everything, lose yeah. their jobs, lose their fam, you know, lose their yeah. dignity, <laughs> everything. They're just going down the tubes. And, yeah, it, it seems to me like that song was like they. Because probably the producers who were who were putting the music out were probably on the white line, yeah, so yeah. they dressed up the the hook, the thing that they actually the white people listened to, <laughs> in in as something that glorified it, and then the verses talking about how you know how it destroys your life and all these things. So it's like, well, the, the producers won't listen to that part. Let's just make the seduction part about you know something like a phenomenon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, it was the jazz cats. All the jazz guys, they would come in and just like bloated. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. like, oh my god! Like, and I had never seen this stuff. I don't even know what it was. I was just like, what are you guys doing? And it was like these jazz cats. But then they'd go out and just play phenomenal. They would just yeah. play all night, all night, eight eight p.m. to eight a.m. <laughs> Our sessions were eight p.m. to eight a.m. Wow. But they would just play these phenomenal jams, and it's like, wow, how do you guys hold it together? <laughs> well, it only lasts so long. That's yeah, what it is, yeah. you know. It, uh, yeah, it wrecked a lot of them too. Yeah. Well, so so you started as an assistant engineer, right? When you first came in yeah, for a very short period of time. I think I was okay. an assistant for like three months. Oh, really? Awesome! <laughs> wow. Maybe four months. Not very long at all. I was really thrust into you didn't it. You go to school for it at all, too? You I did. I went to the Institute of Audio Research oh, really? in New York City. Um, and I think the two it had just opened up. I think it was in its second year. And there was like eight, 12, 10 kids in the class. It was very small. And the tuition for the year was three grand. Now it's 30. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I didn't have the three grand. So they put me on a thing where I paid like 220 bucks a month or something. And so I would just pay them monthly. But about halfway through, the, it's a 12 month course. About halfway through it, I was learning so much in the studio as an assistant, you know, as an intern. That, and I was never sleeping, so I was falling asleep in class. And but things that it was just so we were learning like Pythagorean theorem, and if you had a four foot tube and it was three inches in diameter and you struck it, what note would it be? 
<laughs> oh, like I'm really going to apply that in my session. You know? <laughs> no. So this was overlapping when you were actually working. Yeah, then. Oh, it was. Okay. It was and it, it was just hard to handle both, and I couldn't afford the tuition anyway. Yeah. I was living and at the YMCA. And you were making money at the... At the and, and I wasn't really making any money as an, as an intern, but... You're 18 at this time? Yeah. Wow. And... Um, I, it just got to the point where I was like, I can't, I'm just going to focus, just work. And I dropped out of the school halfway through, and they told me, you know, without a diploma from this institute, <laughs> you will never work in this business. <laughs> I was already like, working. really? I was scared to death. <laughs> I was like, really? Oh, no, what am I doing? Wow. Yeah. Too, Goes to show that you didn't get any work. Yeah. <laughs> that same week, I remember we did an album with these guys called the Violent Femmes. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, this is cool. Forget the school. I'm working with the Violent Femmes. Yeah. <laughs> it was awesome. Wow. That's great. So with your work in hip hop, I mean, you you still work with hip hop. Yeah. So it's just it's just interesting because you were there from the beginning and it's evolved so much. Yeah. Like I mean, because you worked with Biggie, right? You, yeah. you recorded a lot of work with Biggie. Yeah. Like just the difference. Like it was interesting listening to you just rap that rap that you were talking the the pipe bass rap, pipe. Bass pipe. But like the the flow of that is so different yeah. than what rap became and oh, i think yeah. a lot of that like biggie was the kind of biggie and tupac and that was the turning point when yeah. the whole style yeah. of delivery and right. rhythmic the, the flow the rhythm yeah the bounce all that it completely got more sophisticated more complicated yeah right yeah. what was that like to see to hear that happening or do you do you remember like yeah i do and it, I, you know, I thought it was cool. I thought it was like, wow, they're taking it to another level, especially with Biggie. You yeah. Know? Other guys would be like, all right, you, you know, and no need to mention so they didn't really <laughs> become big stars. Or but there was so much of it. Everyone was on the bandwagon to, you know, try to, here's my flow, check my flow. I can flow it like this. And there were some really special ones, that, obviously, like the Craig Mack. When I first started working with Craig Mack, I did a bunch of records with him. And it was like, this guy come across with so much style you want to do with you. Yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> He's on another planet, but it worked. You know, it came like what was his big record? Flavor in your ear. Remember? I remember yeah. That. Brand new flavor in your ear. And he had a style and I was like, Royal, like that's this guy's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I just listened to um I just got out ready to die and listened to that the other day. Mm. And I it's what's interesting about Biggie, even though he was that turning point, he still is probably the best rapper that ever yeah. lived. You know what I mean? Like to this day, I don't know if anybody can tell a story and have this flow yeah. that sounds like a jazz musician or something like that. You know what I mean? And it's just and just is so creative and and explosive. And and he didn't write stuff down. He or, never ever wrote. You know, a lot of these guys would sit and like, okay, Bonsai, run that beat, and I'd run that beat for an hour and a half, two hours. Yeah. They would sit there and write. You know, go over and write, there, which is cool because they're really finessing it and really getting the breathing and everything yeah. so that it flows the way they wanted to <laughs> right and then after a couple hours of that then they'd get on the mic and we'd we'd give it you know start recording but biggie would walk in you know hey bonjour and do his thing yeah and, uh, get ready like, <laughs> yo man you ready he's like yeah big i'm ready set up the mic and he no paper nothing written down and he just and he would just flow and that was it it's done you don't have to go back. You don't have to, he's not punching. If he did it again, he did it again. He did it. He did something else. Yeah, yeah. It was a whole other thing. I was like, wow, where did that come from? He's like, no, you know. But most of the time, it was like one one take, and it was it. He was done. Like a water faucet. <laughs> yeah, you know. Or mm -hmm. And there's so, that's so rare. I mean, even even great 
like great musicians nowadays, a lot of the best musicians aren't like that. I mean, what that reminds me of a jazz musician, like somebody mm. like Coltrane who could just go in and Improv. is always, yeah, yeah, just flowing this mm -hmm. perfect uh, expression of their selves. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, he's one of those yeah, he was beacons. On, he was, yeah, he really was. It was a sad day when we lost him. What kind of a guy was he? Because you got to be close to him. Right? Yeah, he was such a, he was like a big teddy bear. He was a sweetheart. <laughs> yeah. He was always like, Bonds, you cool, man? You need anything? You know, he's always like, I remember the first day Puffy brought him into the Hit Factory. And I think it was his first time in the studio. I had never been in the studio before. And he would just came in and he was like, just handed me something and it's like, hey, everybody, you cool? I'm like, yeah. And we just hit it off from day one. He was just such a sweet guy. He was really nice. No drama, no bull, just straight ahead, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and that is speaking of drama, man. This is this is what's, what amazes me so much about you, Bones. Like you have such a stamina. I mean, I just know you. You work with so many different people and so many kinds of people. Mm. And even working with us, I mean, we all have a good rapport. But we put you in situations like our last record where you just, I can't, I, can't, I was in the fucking booth sleeping while you are still focused on the sound that's coming out of the speaker. You know what I mean? Like I, I just, 16th hour or something. <laughs> exactly. You're like a Buddha or something. To me, I, I just yeah. can't believe the, uh, no, the ability to focus and how I feel like if I did force myself to focus as, for as long and as intensely as you do, I would want to kill everybody in the room. <laughs> and the fact that you're always cool, I've never seen you lose your cool, not even close. Not to it. Did, is that something you I mean it's is that the kind of person you think you are I mean I, I don't want you to have to reflect on yourself like that but like like or do you or did you learn that it's it's a, a little of both it really is yeah, yeah. both it's a, your own personality because I know it's a good thing you brought that up because when I was learning learning in my early years I worked with this engineer in New York and he was really good he was a talented engineer but he would tell his clients that shut up or yeah. get out of here or leave me alone or you know he he didn't have that rapport he was but he was good the guy was good and he never made it you know two yeah. years later i think he was selling furniture in wow. new jersey yeah it's kind of interesting because you know? yeah. <laughs> and, and <laughs> teaching at the academy and, and, so yeah. it part part of it is your personality but yeah. the other part is also is also just gained like you said the stamina the focus just the years of doing it, you know, you know what's going to happen if you don't do that. If you don't focus and you're not paying attention, you're going to miss something. Yeah. And then the next day or someone's going to call you and say, hey, Mons, where's that double that I did? You know, yeah. Where's that? You know, I remember I added the high octave to it. I don't hear it. It's like, oh, man, I missed that, you know. Yeah. So, and there's so many things, as you know, there's so many things you got to. It's a memory game, you know. It's a, it really is a memory game. So you have to remember it everybody's part, how they played it, where they played it, you know, it doesn't need a little ride here, a little lift here, a little volume change here or whatever. And you just, just do it. And you just, well, it's like management. Yeah. <laughs> the stamina is just unbelievable. I mean, like, cause you're working 12 to 16 hour days and you might not have a day off for like two months, which especially if you're working with the Marlies or, yeah. or going back and forth like you were with us and then mm -hmm. do another thing with Mick Jagger. Like I'm, you were like, you were so sleep deprived. It was crazy. But at the same time, like while you are, like forcing yourself into this crazy stamina thing where you you're seeing and remembering everything. It's like you know you have these 
whiny artists who are in, in there, <laughs> I'm talking about us in there, you know, like arguing over some stupid note. You don't know no, it yeah. has to be like this, and you're and you know you could sit there and just completely dissolve any energy that or any tension that builds up. I, I found that so like beautiful and fascinating. That, that comes from years of experience too, because you, you know I deal with so many bands and so many solo artists or bands and management producers you know artists that are you know and yeah it just comes from years of doing it and you you made it really easy for us to talk to you you know because like all of us felt a little apprehensive or, or, yeah. or timid to even interrupt your, the process but we hear something in our heads and we want to communicate it and you would just take that and make it happen look at us and we were like that's you know, what I wanted. That's a, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a rare thing. You made us feel real comfortable, and I, I, I would imagine as an engineer, that's a major asset. Yeah, and that comes with time, too. And also knowing your client, knowing the gig and the record and the artist is like, you know, if it's, you know, a, a new up-and-coming newcomer, I would hope that they would, you know, be open to, hey, he's the man. And I, I would make suggestions like, you know, you should really re redo this. And 99% of the time be like, yeah, I mean, I should, I should perfect that. Let me redo it and fix it, you know. And then just knowing your clientele and, you know, obviously I'm working with some well-established or, you know, very intellectual and intelligent, great musicians like you guys. It's like, it's, it's a open mind. It's open playing field for both parties because it's like, you know suggestions and then yeah man that'll work or good or experimentation yeah. let's, let's try that and it's like all right we got 10 minutes let's try that or like nah man that's not gonna work <laughs> yeah 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 people need to know too how much um the especially on this last record how much you were involved in the create creating of the sound you know what i mean mm -hmm. it just it's it really is i mean i don't know i don't i before i got into music and as far as recording music is concerned i had no idea how much the engineer could have to do mm -hmm. with the, the way the sound is at the end mm -hmm. and you're so close to us and you we have such a good rapport that uh like I said, you're the the, the sixth smoke shot when we're. You know in what's there, really you know? satisfying is watching you guys live, and then you, Pat will do the drop that I did. Yep, yep. <laughs> or, yeah, 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 exactly. Yep, yep. Or now you with the delay. Yeah, yeah, totally. That's great, Absolutely. man. Yep. That's yep. so satisfying. I love to see that. Yeah. Yeah, it took us about. 200 attempts at that to make the drop sound somewhat <laughs> listenable. So, yeah, halfway, not a joke. Because we're clapping, and then we, well, we hit the drop, we clap, and then we do the little break. Yeah. And so we're like clapping, you gotta grab the instrument again, turn the volume back up, play it, turn it back mm -hmm. off. And like with you with the delays, knowing where to put the delay and where not to. Yeah. Because yeah. where and their the space time. is provided, where it'll be cool and yeah. not step on your next lyric, obviously. And yeah. The amount of feedback and how filtered it should be or unfiltered, whether it's a repeat or an effect. Absolutely. Yeah, that's cool. It's really good. It's great to see that. Speaking of not getting in the way, I think, I mean, I could definitely say this for myself, and I'm sure all of us felt this way too. When we were in the studio with you, it's like if I'm in the studio with an engineer that isn't you <laughs> or whatever, you know, especially coming from a background that I have, you know, with recording a lot of my own music and, you know, working with Glenn and having a real hands-on approach, I have a tendency to get kind of hands-on. I'd be like, all right, you know, let's go with this, let's go with this and get real micromanagey and stupid. But with you, it's like I realize, like, no, the more I let you get into your vibe or the more all of us just kind of let you do your thing, and you know, if, if we if we hear something, we don't have to immediately bring it up every second that it happens. Like mm -hmm. you take a note, and to me, that trust, have, being able to just trust you 
to get into your vibe and find that workflow and get things you know organized and start to see things in your own way and then after you've come to this point where it's like okay i'm ready to give my ears a break right like go over notes right exactly discuss things right. and kind of like then reapproach it afterwards <clears throat> instead of like shoving ideas down your throat immediately it's right. like you're gonna so, come to a conclusion yeah. about the music that we wouldn't have otherwise right. so it's like that perspective that you get that we don't interrupt you with i think was more uh valuable yeah because it's you know it's kind of like a structured pace of you know how the production is going to go how it's going to come together it's like okay focusing on the tone of everybody's tone first you know, and then getting it all balanced so that, all right, these things, these parts are working together and not stepping on each other or the frequencies are too similar, um, you know, the tones are too similar or whatever. So you have that separation, you know. And then, okay, now we can talk about fixing this little thing fixing or addressing this and this little thing, problems or, uh, you know, tweaking it up a little bit. Yeah, well, and it's like uh, the amount of time that you had to do all of the work that you did our album on is so limited. That was that yeah. was like the that was the biggest challenge. Yeah, what was I, it seven days tracking? <laughs> no, eight days mixing. We had like six. We had we had six days yeah, to track, but one of them was completely lost because of because of the tape, machine, tape malfunction. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was seven, and then we lost a day. No, the, se I, okay. the seventh day was we were moving everything okay, out. Okay, that's what it was. Yeah, the, the biggest thing for me, I would have loved to have it, an extra day yeah. for every song in the mixing. Yeah, oh, at yeah. the you know the mixing stage because. You know, I'm always hearing things and like that could be a little bit, you know, improved upon or better or, or at least give it a shot, you know, try it, you know, you know having that luxury. Is I, an interesting thing happened the other night. Um, I was driving around the city with my brother and he was playing with his iPod. So it was, it was actually my niece's iPod. And she has, you know, Pink Floyd, Beatles, this and that on there, Moksha. And as he's skipping through, you could, he would just hear the intro of the song, because it's the nano, you can't really see it. So he's flipping through and he's hearing the intro. And each time a Moksha song came on, the sound quality and the level and everything competed in a, in a fair way as, as far as all these famous recordings we grew up with. And I think it was the first time that I actually heard it you know, in comparison to all these other things, and it was pretty impressive. That's a that, beautiful feeling. Though. Yeah, it was. It was really, really nice, feeling. and it was because of what you did. Yeah, absolutely. It's because we, we were lucky enough to run into a Grammy Award winning <laughs> with a, would you put the uh, trademark over the Grammy, <laughs> Grammy Award winning uh, <laughs> professional. Yeah. Next one will be better. Yeah. Uh, hopefully well, on our end too, by a lot. <laughs> I'm sure it will be. Well, and you know, that's why we want to get into a house or something like that. You know yeah, what I mean? That would be cool. That'd be really cool. A lot of those limitations would kinda of go away. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Odds on is an amazing studio, yeah, man. The gear there really is so is. sweet. Yeah. That the room is awesome. The microphone collection is, is ridiculous. ridiculous. <laughs> no, it's awesome. But could we just like rent out their microphone collection? In the house? <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> they, it just like even I mean they're they hook like let's not we're on the podcast they hooked us up with a really good deal it's the only yeah. reason we could afford to yeah. be in there for the amount of time that we were and they will again but if but, it comes to that if we but need. you know that amount of money that we spent on studio time we could rent like do the blind metal thing like rent a house yeah. for a fraction yeah. and we can get gear at a reasonable rate well it's gear that we need i mean between us all we have yeah. a yeah. certain x amount of gear that can handle a lot of it but yeah. when it comes to like some special mics we, doable you know without being too expensive mm -hmm. 
And again, sometimes limitations can be a blessing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I only got four mics for the whole drum kit. Let's do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've done that at Bob Marley's house in uh, Jamaica, oh, yeah, 56 yeah. Hope Road. And it's like, I only have four working mics, but we're doing drums today, Bonds. Yeah. All right. We're doing drums. <laughs> and it sounds great. It comes out really good. Doing drums at Bob Marley's house. <laughs> yeah. That must be. He's got a wicked little room there, too. It's really nice. It's, uh, I think it's cedar. Oh, it's all cedar. And there's hardly enough room for a drum kit. And it has a natural uh, skylight. And the, the room is, you put a drum kit in it and you can't walk in it. Really? Even so when you open the door to go in to play your drummer, you have to move the hi-hat <laughs> wow. to get in to shut the door, to get into the seat, and then that's it. There wow. is no so room. So it's like a, a vocal yeah. It's like a vocal booth. booth. Exactly. Yeah. But wow. it sounds amazing. The drums sound really good. So you, you've had a long-standing relationship with the Marley Brothers. Yeah, How did that all begin? Years. 15 years? Yeah. yeah. How did that all... Um, I was contacted by uh, their manager at the time, um, Maxine Stowe, I believe it was, because uh, I had just done this record, Diana King was the artist. Uh, it was a record called Shy Guy with Diana yeah, King, and yeah. it did really, really well. And they the, the, they just loved the mix. They loved the way it sounded. And I had done the entire album with her. And, um, and yeah, their manager just, it, it was also managing Diana King at the time. So she contacted me and said, hey, this, these guys in Miami want, and lo and behold, it was Stephen Marley and yeah. Damian Marley. And yeah, I guess that was like 90, I want to say 97, 96. I don't remember exactly, but, but yeah, that's how that came about. Speaking of, speaking of a family vibe, like they, I mean, when you go out there, you, you go to Jamaica or Florida, basically. I mean, those are like the two spots Pretty for them, much, right? Yeah, yeah. And when you go out to Jamaica, from what I understand, you, you're you there with, uh, you know, 50 kids yeah, and the like whole, the whole family, right? Yeah, like the dynasty is all there. It's definitely basically. a family affair. It's a real tight-knit family, too. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. It's a good vibe to work like that. And that's a testament to, to how awesome you are, too, is that, I mean, even Diana King, you're still working with her, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. And, and the Marley Brothers, I mean, ever since, I mean, it's, it's Stephen and Damien, right? You've, you've done Pretty all much, and Ju Julian as well, yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's awesome. Yeah, that, yeah, it's definitely a family vibe there. It's a good, positive vibe, and uh, the pace is really slow. It's just great. I love it. Yeah. I mean, we get things done. You know, there's always deadlines, so there's always that, like, you know, we got to get this done. But uh, it's, it's just great to be able to have that freedom, the creative freedom, the creative life. We have built such a relationship together that the creative license and the mutual respect on that end um, and just the honesty and, you know, openness with them. It's, I love working with them. It's great. Yeah. yeah. When's that next Damien record coming out? Isn't like the uh, most anticipated? I think he's, getting, he's really busy right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's on it. So soon. Cool. Soon come, soon come. Yeah, yeah. Stephen's uh, other record is supposed to be ready already. Right? Pretty soon, we're just about done with it. Yeah, he's on tour right now in Europe. Is it, that's going to be the electric one, the electro one? A little bit. Yeah, it's part two of Revelation, part one, I believe. It's going to um, be well. The first one was supposed to be Roots, and the other one was going to be Fruit. More the, traditional the, Roots not, rock. Is it not the same? That name anymore? You changed the name. Um, no, it's still Revelation fruit? Part 2. Oh, yeah, the fruits fruit of life. Of of life. life. Yeah, the first one was the root yeah. of life being from the... Uh, like Roots Rock. Know, exactly. And now this is the fruit of life about to, about to come out soon, I guess. Yes. We're about halfway finished with the mixes, I think, right now. He's on tour in Europe, eight weeks in Europe. So, but he'll be back soon. And we'll be on that 
Look for that one, folks. It's going to be good. (laughs) So, hey, have you ever been to Burning Man? No, I've never been to Burning Man. I've always wanted to go, though. Isn't it coming up? Yeah. It is, and there's a chance that we're going to... We might go. Really? Yeah. Oh, we got to talk about that. (laughs) When is it? Anybody out there who listens to the podcast that has an in with the ticket, hook this man, Mr. James Malzai Cruza, up. He, He needs to go. I don't even know the, the dates. When is the it? end of yeah, August? We'll <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who cares? It's still right? in August. It hasn't it's, happened you're going. yet. It's two weeks. I think it's like yeah, like say late late September into into early August, basically. Okay. It's like maybe like the twenty seventh. No, no, late start. August into September. Oh, you're right. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I yeah. Think it's like backwards. The last, <laughs> the last week of August. Yeah. Cool. In September, we've got a mammoth tour plan that uh, oh, yeah? we release dates yet, but we'll probably be gone uh-huh. over four weeks at least. Uh-huh. Oh, I need to talk to you guys about that because when I was back east, I had a meeting with. Uh, a guy who's part of a East Coast jam band thing that they do like farms and outdoor festival events. They're usually weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday things. But your name came up, obviously. And uh, so, yeah, we need to talk about that. Nice. We're, nice. we're, we're itching to, to break yeah, the East Coast. Because we're trying, we want to build a bridge, though, mm-hmm. so that we don't have to just drive way out there and back. We can mm-hmm. hit shows along the way and, yeah. you know, try to make gas money, hotel money. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. That would be great. Or the other thought is just to uh, fly out and, and rent B gear and take some of our, you know, important equipment mm-hmm. and just yeah. go out. There. I'm gonna hook you up with this guy. I need to talk with, with him because he's putting together some festivals and they've been going on this year, and they're kind of like little mini Woodstocks, you know. And but the scene is just like, you know, the 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 clientele. These kids love this these you know festivals and these kids come. Yeah. from money too so they're showing up in their beamers they're paying 60 bucks a ticket you know and there's like 10,000 kids in a field wow. you know and it's like a 10 hour 12 hour event with all a bunch of bands yeah sign us up man yeah you guys <laughs> is that New York is he, is uh, New England all New throughout York. New England oh, wow. the Boston area New Hampshire Vermont um, Connecticut upstate yeah, New York it'd be great to tour through there it's so they would love close. you guys it's so over close there. to you know city to city you know, mm-hmm. right now we're driving like eight to sixteen hours to get to from point A to point B, and like yeah. by the time you get to the next gig, you're so exhausted you can't even play. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> got to be tough. I think I, about you guys. I can't even. Imagine. Imagine. Yeah, we're playing Flagstaff tonight. Yeah, yeah Flagstaff. Wait, you're going to Portland tomorrow. To <laughs> and then play. And then yeah. Portland tomorrow. Night. And then yeah. drive yeah. to Portland and then play the very next uh, night. That's crazy. Yeah, we're I can't imagine, uh, you know, cutting our teeth on the East Coast touring and then coming out west and going, oh. holy cow. Well, you'd be, well, well that's. Because you'd be used to, you know, a 30-minute drive, an hour drive, two-hour drive on the East Coast. You come out here and it's just so separated. There's no yeah. easy way. Yeah, there isn't. You know, I think the uh, the funky meters were talking. What Brian Stoltz is telling us, they try to make it a rule to go with no more than three or four hours a day traveling time yeah. between the show. Like, well, like they the, try to. Yeah, well, they also have the the luxury of flying and having someone else drive their and gear a, and or a rent, or rent agent their gear. Yeah, lining it up perfectly for them. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. nice. Somewhat perfectly. But they did also definitely have earned it. Yeah. Well, cool. We should. How long are we in? Well, we got to give a shout out to John and Pat. They're not here, but we can't feel too bad for them because they're at the no, high Sierra. They're yeah. having the time of their lives right now. Well, yeah. we're stuck <laughs> in. 
the whole Vegas whatever. family <laughs> went up to the <laughs> High Sierra. And this, this this makes it okay. Though. Yeah, it's yeah. good okay. to sit and talk to Bonsai. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good uh, to be here. Thanks, you guys. It really, and it rained absolutely. yesterday, which is like a first yeah. There was Vegas. water falling from the sky. I was yeah. Like, what? <laughs> here? I was like, what is yeah. this stuff? <laughs> On the Fourth of July, how ironic, yeah. right? I yeah. mean, like perfect. What do we get? Like a half an inch a year here or something? Yeah, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah, it was an interesting day. Smelled like rain. And I saved a few houses from being burned. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah, well, the the crazy thing was is it rained before the fireworks started going off <laughs> instead of raining after. Yeah. But I can't complain. Well, we could sit and talk to you for hours, Bonza. I mean, literally, you guys have no idea the well of stories that this man has. So like, yeah, we'll pry him out. We will slow, the iceberg. Slowly. For yeah, sure. we got to have you back, Bonza. Yeah, definitely. Let's do this again. It'll be great. Yeah. Do you have any... Um, do you have anything online, song-wise, or like work that you've done that you're proud of that if anyone's out listening, they could check out um, to see? Uh, well, that Mick Jagger thing, which called Super Heavy, that's out with Damian Marley, and, and that's been out for a few months now. Uh, name of the song is Miracle Worker. with, with Josh Stone. Josh Stone, um, Mick Jagger, Damian Marley, Dave Stewart of the Arrhythmics, and the guy from... Slumdog Millionaire, Ra. Oh, I can't remember how to say his name without massacring it. Yeah. Rahman, I think his name or something like that. Anyway, um, but yeah, that's out. That's something to check out. It's called Miracle Worker. Um, the whole Revelations record. Yeah, the Revelation, yes. the Stephen Marley album, Roots of Life, um, is out and doing well. And uh, what else? up and coming, up and coming stuff? I'm going to be releasing a video with J uh, Justin Carter. Uh, Local, yes. yes, Mr. Justin Carter here. Justin's awesome. Yeah, in Las Vegas, and uh, we're dropping a five-song EP and a YouTube video within the next four to six weeks. So Does he have a website? Awesome. We're working on the website. It's it's up, but there's no really con there's no content on it yet, but uh, soon to be announced. Nice. Yes. So I'm really looking forward to that. And Glenn said that uh, you're working on a... Yeah, I spoke with him today. He's got a few... He's going to do a five-song EP, too, I guess, by yeah. the end of the year. Uh, he's putting it together. He yeah, sent me so one song already. That, uh, the, what's it called? Bruce Leroy. Right? You've mm. got that glow. That yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. yeah, so that, yeah, he's actually coming over right after... Or he should be coming over here in a couple right, minutes. Cool. We're going to talk about some of that stuff. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, Love so, Glenn. He's cool. Yeah. My brother. Yeah, so that's it for now. Uh, what about, like songs that like famous songs that you've worked on that people wouldn't realize that you were the mastermind behind oh geez like uh <laughs> didn't you do baby got back i like big butts <laughs> yeah there's a lot of different mixes on that gosh if you look it up there's like six or seven different mixes that cnc music factory had had done along with that original one um what else rain by madonna is another another big one jeez some lot of Luther Vandross and gosh, I can go on and on. <laughs> Moksha. Kick in the Mok door. Yeah, yeah, can you rap us a, a biggie verse for us? Oh. I love when you do that, man. <laughs> we can say that for, uh, say that for the next one. Yeah. <laughs> you can hit stop right after that. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you so much, Bonds. You're very welcome. For guy. blessing us, thank man. Thank you. Thank awesome. you. And uh, we love you guys out there. 
What's yeah. this, Podcast 8? Podcast like Episode 8. That's it. Yeah, James Bonds at Caruso. Awesome. Yeah, we love you guys. Thanks for listening. And uh, get up, Bonds. Follow, uh, friend him on Facebook. You know, check James out, check Bonds at Caruso. Check out what he's doing because he's always doing something amazing. And, and that's badass. Bonsai with a Z. Traveling all over the world. Not like the tree. Not like the tree, exactly. <laughs> cool. cool. All right. All right. Take care, guys. Take care. Pick up. We go. Would you let them break us apart? No. Would you let them? Hey. Would you let them break our hearts? Would you let them? Still a papa. Would you let them break us apart? Would you let them? Hey. Would you let them break our hearts? Would you let them? Together they can't break us, we are strong. Divide us and the road leads to destruction. Don't you fall a prey to Babylon. No, never. They want to pull us all in different directions. So they take you from the root and teach you their own truth. Open up your mind, please don't you be so blind. I'm not in it for the fame, I'm in it for the love. When it's all said and done, we're more than blood. Would you let them break us apart? Would you let them? Would you let them break our hearts? Would you let them? Still a papa. Would you let them break us apart? Would you let them? Would you let them break? Come through that door and say your friend. Don't you lose your way. Material couldn't make I stress. We have love and happiness. So we'll be alright. Would you let them break us apart? Would you let them? No, we would not ever. Would you let them break? Would you let them break us apart? Would you let them? No, we would that never Would you let them break our hearts? Would you let them? Together they can't break us, we are strong. Divide us and the road leads to destruction. Don't you fall a prey to Babylon? No, never. They want to pull us all in different directions. So they take you from the root and teach you their own truth. Open up your mind, please don't you be so blind. I'm not in it for the fame, I'm in it.
When it's all said and done, we're more than blood. blood, 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 blood.